Greetings everybody. It is such a blessing for me to come to you in this webcast of Dynamic Love Ministries and it is an honor to bring you the grace message once again. The gospel of God's grace is the goodness wherewith God has influenced us and the good act of righteousness that he had towards man in bringing man his life. He's come to solve our problems. And the biggest problem that we've come to solve is our mortality problem. Many people didn't even think it was a problem, but that was the true problem. And he came to solve it by entering into death, conquering sin, and raising the man, Jesus, from the dead. He then put this man, Jesus, at the right hand of the Father, from where he rules over our lives and over the world, establishing exactly what is inside him in this world so that whosoever believes upon him can share in his quality of life that is what this is all about i would like to welcome everybody that is slotting in for the first time as well as all of our regular viewers thank you and for allowing me to wash your feet again today and serve you with the gospel of god's grace the vision that i have is to only preach grace here see people being taught educated and established in this message of grace and to never deviate from it i want to stay in this gospel for the rest of my life by the power of his grace amen let us just pray together as we start this service father i want to thank you so much for your kindness and your goodness thank you for speaking powerfully through me today and impacting people's lives as well as my life as i share this good news or as you share this good news through me with people and even with myself. Thank you for a heart that can see and understand, eyes that are open to see the dimensions of your love and your goodness. Amen and amen. Well, um, like you know, we are in a series wherein we are speaking and preaching through Romans. And last week, we started to get into the message um, and you will see in your notes those of you that receive the notes we're using the same notes because we have only got the halfway through it uh, it's called the effect of believing you will be bodily raised in the life of the believer the effect of believing you will be bodily raised in the life of the believer so many times we wonder if there is a bodily resurrection at the end of time, how does that relate to me today? What relevance does that have in the here and now? What does it mean for me today? Or is it just something that I know that will take place one day? Well, it is something that will take place one day. And last week we saw that it has got a great effect on us in the here and now. Uh, outside of the supernatural power that there is in the resurrection and in uh, our union with God in Christ, there is simply just the normal basic effect that uh, a futuristic event has on all people. We have seen now with this COVID-19 coronavirus uh, pandemic, we have seen how that influences our lives. People went to the shopping malls, they bought a lot of stuff, they were prepping, there were so many things going on. Countries, everything changed 
Um, you're not allowed to go to your kids are not allowed to go to school. You can't travel at night. There's so many things that happened, and our lives were changed today. In the hope, or hope in the negative, in the fear of what can happen with us. Now, if we today have our lives born from what can happen, as pertaining to the negative, as pertaining to a virus that we uh, a week ago didn't have a cure for, how much more will it not have an effect on us should we know that we can bodily live forever on account of Jesus fulfilling his promise of eternal life to us? You see, church, that has not even been part of the church's thought. The church has never even thought about things like that. Now, you might say, Betty, I've always believed in a bodily resurrection. Yes, we've believed in a bodily resurrection, but the issue is that we have not based all of our theology on that. As what everything we do today is based, now I'm talking about just in general and countries and that, everything they do today is basically based on the coronavirus. Uh, this, all this will blow over and we will we all know that but everything we do now in the next three weeks or next month no travel between Europe and the United States South Africa uh, closed 20 something I think or, or 50 I'm not sure they've closed a lot of their border posts kids are not allowed to go to school all universities are closed uh, meetings larger than 100 people are not allowed uh, you're not allowed to basically have church meetings. There's so many things that you're not allowed to do. And our lives are born from something that can happen in the future. As what we look at what can happen with the coronavirus, and we have now shaped our lives around that, how much more if we really believe that we can be raised from the dead, and that salvation is defined in God coming and healing our bodies and removing sin in the flesh from the body, therefore providing us a sinless, deathless flesh, wherein we can live forever and be partakers of his kingdom, sharing in his life. I mean, should that be the reality that we believe, I'm sure it will, it will change the way we live. Just inside the parameters of the normal knowledge, like you taking, uh, taking knowledge, or you are aware that there will be a coronavirus, now you're shaping your life. How much more if we're just aware that there will be eternal life, how, how will that shape our lives? You see, the problem in the church is that we have already believed that everybody has eternal life as immortal souls that lives in bodies. Therefore, the whole punch was taken out of the gospel by uh, saying, well, the gospel is basically offering something that we already have, which is then this eternal life. Eternal life is then redefined in what you feel, what you think, and relationships and all those kind of things, instead of the normal thing and what it means, an eternal life, to be part of the eternal age, for you've entered into a place where there's no beginning, no end, where you share in the quality of God's life as a human. You see, we've had a wrong understanding of many things. We didn't understand what we are as humans. Neither did we understand, uh, you know, our uh, how long we can live. We thought that we were. I think the biggest understanding is 
we didn't know what we are. And then we had a wrong understanding of what eternal life really is. Now, last week, we spoke about the effects that the resurrection will have on the believer should he believe. But that can only be true and will have its maximum effect when we first believe that we are mortal beings and if you believe that you're a human being. And if you define a human being not as a non-material soul that lives in the body, but as a human. Uh, you know, all of us have loved ones that has passed away. And we, we, when they pass away, we think, and we for many years thought, they're in a better place and all those kind of things. And, you know, to a certain aspect, they're definitely in a better place because they are, um, as believers that have died, they are at a place where they are awaiting the resurrection of Jesus. They are with the Lord, awaiting the resurrection. Now, exactly what with the Lord means and how that looks, we don't know. Uh, I have not been to... Um, a place called heaven and I have not seen for myself just if if I must just be completely honest I know that the Lord the Bible says I mean that Jesus is in heaven I do believe that the Bible clearly says our father which art in heaven so there's a heavenly realm a, a spiritual realm from where all these things happen and that is all true. But the beauty is that God has not come to bring man to a place where he has to abandon his, uh, the material world to experience the heavenly power. The heavenly power has been designed to be infused uh, into the physical and where in heaven comes to earth. Like the prayer is, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, not us leave, but thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we find that this hope that we have as the church is the hope of everything that is in heaven that it should manifest in earth. And the place where we see this, where this, this has already taken place is in the resurrected Jesus Christ. The resurrected Jesus Christ is exactly how it looks when heaven has come to earth. Or if you want to use the other way around, if earth has reached the state of life contained in heaven. It is a body that has no bones in the grave. or It is a physical body that has maybe died, then was raised, having no bones in the grave. And that is now fully sharing, having the fullness of of the Godhead bodily and we find that that is God's dream for all of us so church as a start if we can believe that we are mortal in need of eternal life like Romans 2 7 says that where we are seeking immortality and those who through patience have sought this immortality glory and honor they shall be rewarded with eternal life so what do we seek what do we want we want what god has manifested in the resurrected jesus and we seek that that manifests in our lives so what is the the desire of the christian the desire of the christian the desire of the early christians was they were groaning they were waiting they were every day expecting the salvation of their bodies which would then be the glorification of the body they were seeking that the fullness of the will of god manifests in them uh, which would then be the adoption 
this glorification. And from there, they've received the spirit that would then bring that forth. And from that spirit, through the new life that people were living by that spirit, their lives were crying, Abba, Father. God is now the Father of my good works. God is now the Father of my kindness. God is now the Father of the compassion that is inside me, the relentless tenderness that's flowing from my heart, feeling compassion for people. God is now the author of even the concern that I have when people are not believing in this good news. All of a sudden, God becomes the source from where I uh, share the gospel with people. It is not anymore me looking at the Bible and uh, looking at a command that I must go and make disciples, and then now I'm making the disciples. No, all of a sudden everything has changed. God has now become the Father. With this in mind, we come to the conclusion that without the bodily resurrection of Jesus and our expectation of bodily resurrection, our, we would not be able to call ourselves the righteousness of God. We would not be able to, uh, to define why we have the fruit of the Spirit. Definition to fruit of the Spirit, definition to the body of Christ, the church, is all given in the light of the bodily resurrection of Jesus and the hope that we have to have the same. You see the church, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm going over this again, but I think it's very important. I see people that have been listening to my messages for many years, even in this last week, writing me, emailing me, giving me questions, saying, Bertie, so are you saying that it's not about heaven, but it's about a bodily resurrection at the end of the day? Yes, that's what I've been saying for the last six years, five years. I've just been preaching along those lines all the time. So I feel it's necessary to repeat it just for some folk who maybe just didn't get it. And I don't think that people don't get it because they are, um, there's something wrong with them. I just think it is difficult to hear something outside of the per uh, parameters wherein we were taught all our life. We were taught that we are immortal souls that lives in bodies. We weren't taught that we were humans. And then we were taught that God's destination for man is to go to heaven and be there with him, either worshipping him or living in a mansion or whatever we would think. We refer to our bodies as dirt bags, who, which I will just leave and I'm going to receive another body. There's such a, a, a mixture of Gnosticism into the church that it's difficult for people to truly understand. Um, so what I want to say is we have to redefine all our terms, but in the light of defining salvation, not as going to heaven, but reaching eternal life bodily, being saved from death. Jesus, in the days of his flesh, cried out to God who was able to save him. And was Jesus saved? That, okay, now if Jesus asks for salvation, it means he needs salvation. What was Jesus saved from? He was saved from the grave. For the Bible says, he shall not see that his Holy One suffers corruption. And he raised him from the dead, saved him from death itself. And now we have the message of salvation that we can preach ourselves. 
The spirit that shall manifest the salvation is therefore now poured out in our hearts. So uh, last week we, we talked about what it means to walk in the spirit. To walk in the spirit simply means I'm beholding the bodily raised Jesus and then this life that shines forth from him shines in my heart and I have the revelation that the glory of God is now shining in the face of Jesus and that revelation in me affects my life and that is called the power of the Holy Spirit. That is exactly uh, what it is. I want to just uh, read quickly here in uh, 2 Corinthians 3 and this is where we ended off last week. It says, nevertheless, when they shall turn to the Lord, if you turn away from the law, but you look at perfection in the flesh as pertaining to Jesus seated at the right hand of God, it says there, then the veil shall be taken away. And I've used the coronavirus mask. The mask is taken away. And as you now behold the resurrected Jesus without a mask, without the law, then you are able to contract the same eternal life virus that Jesus has and this is what the Bible says but we with open face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the spirit or the very life of the Lord Jesus Christ the very life of Jesus himself so what he says is when we behold the resurrected Jesus the effect it will have on us is that the life that is in Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, will then be poured out on all flesh, on my flesh. For what purpose? For the purpose of healing me from whatsoever leads to death. That is what it's about. And from there I have also now the fruit of the Spirit on the foundation of beholding an immortal man expecting the same. So, the bottom line conclusion is this. What relevance does the message that I will be bodily raised one day have today? From the revelation that, that would be true, seeing yourself in the life of Jesus and united with him, seated with him, expecting to have that same bodily resurrection from there all life flows. From there we have the ability to prophesy. From there we have the words of knowledge and wisdom. From there we can love one another. From there we see there's no more Jew or Gentile. From there we can conclude and see and understand the gospel that the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans. Uh, from there we we have kindness and love towards one another. From there we refrain to try and save ourselves by our own works. From there we are delivered from Gnosticism and its ugly head that, ha that is surfacing again in the world. From there we see the salvation plan for what it truly is. From there we see that we are the temple of the Almighty God. From there we see and define ourselves as the body of Christ. So it does have a massive uh, relevance today in our lives. Okay, so um, 
when we behold the glory of God, we are beholding as in a mirror. And as we see the glory of God, which is the eternal life of God shining in the face of a man, Jesus, we are saying, well, if the human Jesus can, uh, that was born of a woman, uh, the, the man Jesus, I'm not talking about the incarnation, I'm talking about the man Jesus now. If that man, which was subject to sin and death, could contract eternal life, and he has then breathed on humanity, it simply means that we can get the same. And we believe that we got the same in the fact that he was raised from the dead. Glory to God. Now with that in mind, um, defining being in the spirit as looking at the bodily raised Jesus, expecting also bodily resurrection. That's what it means to be in the spirit. We can say the following. And now we're getting into the message of Romans 8. Romans 8, 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to live to the flesh, but look, excuse me. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to, not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led, and remember two weeks ago we preached on this, as many as are brought forth by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Okay, so what is he saying? He says, listen guys, we cannot go back to Judaism. We cannot go back to the law. We cannot go back to even thinking we are special because we are Gentiles or we are Jews. We are not special in our flesh. We cannot make any um, drawing from our flesh as pertaining to life or customs of Moses or any of those kind of things. There's no life through the law. But since Jesus was raised from the dead and we see that he's alive by the Holy Spirit bodily, he's now, uh, he's got a spiritual body. What that means is he's got a physical body that is not living by the food he eat or the bre breath he has. You know, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he wasn't alive because he breathed the air of this world. He was first alive because of the spirit and then he breathed. And he doesn't have to take another breath to live forever in his body. Uh, he doesn't have to eat food at all to live in his body. He's alive on account of the very life of God bodily. In him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That is called a spiritual body. That is what it's called. Doesn't, Jesus doesn't become a spirit. His body is spiritual. Meaning his body uh, as a has received eternal life. Now, we who are spiritual, we who behold that truth, and we, want, we walk in the Spirit, we are having our walk and our wandering around inside this wonderful truth that the Spirit has given life to the flesh of Jesus. We mortify the deeds of the flesh by the very same life that is in Christ. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if we through the spirit, if we through the life that's in the flesh of Jesus, as we behold this resurrected Jesus and expect the same for us, we will, by looking at that and believing that, find that that life that is in Jesus starts to mortify, kill, 
declare as dead the deeds of the body or the sins in the flesh. So what he is saying, what Paul is saying is, first you thought that you're going to have life by the law and have your, have your behavior changed into something that's good and better by the law. But I've got news for you. That's not how it works. Yes, good works is what we are to have. Yes, a holy life is what we are to have. The law points to a holy life. That's good and all well. But the way wherein we will find it is by beholding a spiritual body or a resurrected physical human being from where we expect the same by him. And as we expect the same by him, we find that the spirit, the very life of the Christ in the flesh now becomes a life in our flesh and mortifies the fruit of the flesh in us simply as we behold and expect this truth. So should the question be, what relevance does the expectation of a bodily resurrection in the end have on us today? My answer would be that from that truth is where we get the power to live a holy life from that cognitive expectation glory to god isn't that absolutely powerful now i want to go to colossians 2 and verse 6 colossians 2 verse 6 this basically says the very same thing it says as you have therefore received christ jesus the lord so walk ye in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men okay beware lest anybody spoil you by going back to the old law and also going back to uh, Greek philosophies and all this spirit soul and body teaching and all that that is what Paul has got in mind here Okay, after the rudiments of this world and not after Christ. For in him, now listen, listen to what Paul says, why we don't have shortcomings today. For in him, that is in Jesus, dwells all the fullness, say with me, say not the fullness, say all the fullness. For in him, this is the resurrected Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are can you see from where Paul draws his conclusion of our completeness and that we don't need any more to walk after the law or any of those things having a sin consciousness anymore he draws it from the revelation that the fullness of the Godhead is in Jesus bodily what that means is, should Jesus not have had a physical body raised on the grave, seated at the right hand of God, he would not have been able to make this conclusion. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you are circumcised. Now listen to this. In the fact that Jesus was bodily raised from the dead, you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. 
So what is he saying? He's saying the relevance for today of the bodily resurrection of Jesus from where we also expect bodily resurrection. We're going to read that now in chapter 3. And as we continually behold that life expecting bodily resurrection ourselves, we are circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands, but a circumcision wherein we have now laid down the body of sins of the flesh, meaning I am not living anymore inside the place where I have a body of the sins of the flesh, for I've moved now to the body of the resurrection, expecting my bodily glorification. And since I live there, and this life of Christ includes me, from that life I find that the fruit of the flesh stops, and I start to have a holy life as a free gift. Therefore, a holy life is not a prerequisite unto salvation, but it is salvation. And the end of that salvation is the glorification of our bodies. It says, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are raised with him through the faith of the operation of God. So why, how are we raised? We are raised through the faithfulness of God's operation who has raised him from the dead. So the operation of God, which is to raise mortal flesh from the grave and make it immortal, that operation and our trust in that operation and in the faith and the faithfulness of that meaning, the fact that it works. Through that, what happens to us? We are raised from the dead. We are, we, we are experiencing a brand new life. Let's read it again. But in whom also you are circumcised with a circumcision without hands. In other words, it says here that Jesus was, in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And since it dwells in him bodily, what does it mean for us? It means that as we believe upon that, we find that God ends sin in our flesh because the problem is flesh. Not that we have flesh, but death in the flesh. So the only solution could be a resurrection, a recreation or a new creation. Lazarus was recreated when he was raised from the dead, but we're not recreated. We are a new creation, a creation that cannot be subject to sin and death. And Jesus was raised from the dead. And now it says, as he was buried and then raised. Can you see how the physical death and the physical resurrection has all relevance in getting us to experience his life today? Wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God or the, by the faithfulness of God who has raised him from the dead. So can you see how sin in the flesh ends because of bodily resurrection? And you being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of our flesh, has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses? Chapter 3 verse 1, If you then be risen with Christ, now if Jesus is bodily raised, and we believe that he, we are bodily raised with him, now what that means is, we say that his resurrection is 
our resurrection. That does not mean we are already bodily raised. We are saying that the fact that he conquered sin and conquered death means he's conquered my sin and conquered my death. Therefore, we conclude that his life is my life. Since we are concluding that his life is our life, and we still be look at our lives, we say we are still waiting, groaning, Romans 8, what should we do? How shall we live every day? Again, answering the question, what relevance does the bodily resurrection and the expectation of it for me in the end of time, what relevance does it have for me today? Here it is. If we say that we are risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above, not the things on the earth. Now listen to this. For you are dead, and your life is hid with God, hid with Christ in God. Now the punchline, verse 4. When Christ, who is our lives, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So what is he saying? He's saying, listen, let me explain to you. Jesus was raised from the dead. And we are also now raised from the dead with him. I think next week I'll have to explain what that means. I think there's a lot of a mis misunderstanding on what it means to be raised with Christ. We say that we are raised with him. That means we are now expecting from him, our life is now hidden in the fact that he is Lord. The only way we're going to have that life is from him bringing that life forth in us. Then it says here, keep your eyes on Christ, who is the Lord, who is now in heaven, who will appear, meaning he's coming back. Okay, and when he appears, we shall also appear with him in glory, meaning we shall be made immortal. So what are we awaiting? We are waiting for our bodily resurrection in the return of Christ. That is what we are mindful of. He says, and as we are mindful of, therefore, or on account of this, we are mortifying our members which are upon the earth, which is fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, and so forth. So what he's saying is, as we are expecting the bodily resurrection of ourselves in the day of the Lord, for we have no life in our own power, all life comes from him. As we are expecting that, what are we effectively doing? We are seeing the mortification of all these sexual immoralities and all those kind of things. So again, answering the question, what relevance does expecting and knowing you'll be bodily raised in the end have on us today? By that expectation, we have a faith inside us from where we find through that expectation, there is a mortification of the fruit of the flesh. Let us quickly have a look. I see I've got another five minutes left. Let's quickly have a look at Hebrews here. Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, that passage is Hebrews 11, 1, but it comes out of Hebrews 10. Let's read from verse 35. 
Cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. What is this confidence that they were talking about? The confidence was that they will be bodily raised from the dead. For you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. What is the promise? (laughs) Titus is so clear on that. The promise is eternal life, the resurrection. Okay, so he says, don't throw away your confidence that you will be bodily raised. Uh, You need patience that after patience you shall receive what was promised you, which is the bodily resurrection. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and he will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. So the just shall be raised from the dead. How? By the faithfulness of God and as we rely and expect this faithfulness to manifest which is our bodily resurrection. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but we are unto them which believe unto the saving of the soul. Some people will now fall out of the bus there and say, you see, it's your soul that gets saved. Uh, let's define what soul is. Soul means person or human. That's basically what it is. Adam became a living soul the moment the breath of life came into him. He was not a living soul that came and occupied a body. He only became one once his body started to live. Okay, then uh, Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is, what is this faith that he's talking about? Faith that he's talking about is the persuasion and the judgment that God is faithful to raise us bodily. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By it, the elders obtained a good report. So, by the persuasion that we judge God as faithful, that he can raise us from the dead, we'll obtain a good report in this world. By that faith, we find that... um, we understand why the, that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Understanding comes. Uh, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. You've got a better life right now. You know how to bring your sacrifice uh, to God. I'm using Old Testament examples here now. But what Paul is saying here, or the writer of Hebrews is saying is, as you have confidence that you shall be raised from the dead, look at all these old faith heroes and look at the kind of lives they lived because they confidently expected that God can make true what is promised. So confidently expect that you shall be bodily raised and that God is the one that ends all sin and ends all death in you. It's not your work, it's his work. And as you do that, you will find that there is testimony of this truth in the here and now. My friends, and that concludes my message on the relevance of the resurrection today. The hope of being bodily raised One day is not something that is on the back burner. It is central. It's pivotal. It is what it is all about. It's what Christianity is all about. It is called the confidence of the believer. It is called faith. The Bible even says, and and, and that passage is there. You can go and read it in your notes in Hebrews um, 8.24. It says, for we are saved by hope. Let me see if I can show you that. There it is. Verse 24. For we are saved by hope. How are we saved today from stressing about everything? By the hope, the knowing that Jesus was raised. I am co-raised with him and that resurrection is his job to manifest in me. From there, all fears disappear. Amen, amen. I'm going to end off by praying. 
for you guys um, right now. And from this power, we've got signs, wonders, and miracles that can take place. For there are signs of this truth taking place right now by the Holy Spirit. So let me pray for you. Father, I want to thank you that I can stretch forth my hands to people that are watching. I thank you that you love them. I thank you that you care for them. And I declare that they are healed in the name of Jesus by the power of the resurrection and that signs and wonders follow in the name of Jesus by the power of the spirit of life that there is in Christ Jesus. Healing of sickness and disease, healing of all forms of oppression, and freedom is yours in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, isn't that absolutely good news? Thank you so much for allowing me to serve you today. I'm so excited about this message. I trust that it has blessed you. And please share this with friends. People need it. God bless.